Hello, I'm Susan, and this is The Darker Side of Things. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining me tonight for another installment of The Darker Side of Things. Tonight's episode will be about a pretty unique ghost that appeared to her mother to tell the story of her murder. So here we go. Tonight's episode is about the Greenbrier ghost. In 1897, Zona Hester Shue of Lewisburg, West Virginia, was murdered by her husband, Erasmus Shue. As the story goes, she came back as a ghost to make sure he paid for his crimes. Yay for her! She couldn't be denied her vengeance even in death. So, kudos to her. The doctor who examined her upon her death claimed she died from what he called everlasting faint. What the heck does that mean? Her mother, Mary Jane Hester, had uh, a hard time also trying to figure out what that meant and thought, how could a young, healthy woman just drop dead of an everlasting faint? That question kept her up at night trying to understand. That winter, the winter that her daughter died, Mary Jane had a very difficult time sleeping. That's when her daughter, Zona, started to appear to her as an apparition. Zona's spirit, known as the Greenbrier Ghost, came right up to her mother's bedside and begged her to get in bed with her. That's what Mary Jane, her mother, reported. She said Zona was cold to the touch and had something to tell her. It wasn't a faint that took her life, but a cold-blooded murderer. What happens next is the only documented case of someone being convicted by the testimony of a ghost. That's quite interesting. Zona Hester was 23 years old in October of 1896 when she met her future husband, Erasmus Troutshoe. The pair married weeks later after that meeting and moved into a home near Shoe's work. He, He was a blacksmith and he owned his own blacksmith shop. Three months later, on January 23rd, 1897, Zona was dead found lifeless at the foot of the stairs leading to the second floor of the long log home shared by her and Shu. She was found by Andy Jones, a young boy who was about 11 years old, and he was hired to do chores around the house for the family. Andy ran home to tell his mother what had happened, and she told him to go tell Mr. Shu at the blacksmith's shop. His mother then called Dr. George Knapp. Andy told Mr. Shu what happened, and for all tents and purposes, it appeared as though Shu was devastated. So he ran home to see what was going on. When Dr. Knapp arrived, Shu was already there, and Zona had been taken to her bedroom, already dressed for burial, in a high-necked dress. As Knapp began to examine her, Shu began to act suspiciously. Shu cried the entire time, the doctor stated, when he was trying to examine Zona. And when he attempted to examine her neck, that's when Shu got really upset. So the doctor didn't push the issue any further as to 
He didn't want to upset Mr. Shu. Shu also insisted when placing Zona in the casket, so he wanted to be a part of that as well. Um, and he was always handling her head and placed a large scarf around her neck and stated that, quote, it had been Zona's favorite. Well, I wonder why he put that around her neck. Hmm, very curious. The rumors started to fly, including some of the locals saying that Zona died giving birth to an illegitimate child. However, there was no evidence at the time that showed uh, that Zona was pregnant. Mary Jane Hester did not like Erasmus, and since she now was being visited by her dead daughter, who claimed it was Shu who killed her, she really didn't like him. She claimed that her daughter was coming to her as a ghost and was saying to her that she was right for not liking Erasmus all along, that he was the one who killed her. The ghostly visits continued. Four nights in a row, her daughter came to her telling her of the things that had happened during her brief marriage to Shu. The day Zona died, she told her mother that her husband was mad at her for not serving meat with his dinner. He then brutally attacked her, struck her, and broke her neck. How pathetic is that? Beating your wife because she didn't make meat for your dinner. What a slime ball. The body had been transported to the home of her mother, on nearby Big Sewell Mountain, Zazona could be prepared for visitation. The townspeople reported that Shu's behavior at the wake was very odd, very odd indeed. He always remained at the head of the casket and wouldn't let anyone come close to her and had placed a folded sheet on one side of her head and an article of clothing on the other. He said it would help her to rest better. Oh, give me a break. She died by your hand, dude. She wasn't resting in the least little bit. I uh, I would imagine that those items were placed there to keep her head from falling from side to side. Because if that happened, then that would implicate something uh, had been done to her neck. She was buried the next day in a little cemetery at the top of a hill. And after that, nothing else was thought of her death other than it was an unusual situation for a sudden death for anybody. Within a month of the burial, Mary Jane Heaster was telling anyone who would listen that she had been visited by her dead daughter for four nights in a row and accused her husband of doing the deed. Zona wanted him to pay for what he had done to her. She explained that Zona told her he was abusive and cruel and had attacked her in a fit of rage, breaking her neck. Word spread quickly and soon Mary Jane and her brother-in-law, Johnson Heaster, went to Lewisburg prosecutor John A. Preston, who of course didn't believe the story. I mean, who would? Something that extravagant. But after several hours of questioning Mrs. Heaster, Preston became convinced there was enough information to start an investigation. Dr. Knapp was questioned and admitted that his examination um, wasn't as thorough as he would have liked due to the presence of uh, Mr. Shu being there, and that it is possible that he could have mistaken the diagnosis. Preston's investigation revealed that Shu had a history serving time in the penitentiary and had also been married two times previously, with both of those wives dying under strange circumstances. 
Hmm. How strange is that? One wife uh, was said to have broken, died of a broken neck when she supposedly fell from a haystack. Huh. The other dying while helping Shu repair a chimney. He was at the top of the chimney, of course, and his wife was placing rocks in a basket with a rope attached to it. And when she, when he lifted the basket um, to get the um, rocks out of it, the basket tipped, of course, and the rocks dropped on his wife's head, killing her. With all this information in hand, Preston had enough to get an order to have the body exhumed. Shu did not like this at all and, quote, vigorously complained. <laughs> I would have vigor vigorously complained to, but was told he had no choice in the matter and was forced to attend the inquest. It was then that he said he knew he would be arrested once the body was exhumed and said, quote, but they will not be able to prove I did it, end quote. This statement meant that he had some knowledge that his wife had been murdered. At that time, a complete autopsy was performed and sure enough, Zona's neck had been broken, dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. Her windpipe was crushed at the point of the front of the neck, and it was obvious that she had been strangled. Erasmus was immediately arrested for the murder of his wife. He was taken to jail at Lewisburg, where he was held until his indictment by a grand jury and trial in June. The trial lasted only eight days. On the sixth day, he took the stand in his own defense, which was a mistake, and that appearance didn't go well, obviously. He rambled and said everyone was out to get him. Mm-hmm, I'd be out to get you too, buddy. The jury deliberated for a little over an hour and came back with a guilty verdict on June 22, 1897. Shu was sentenced to life behind bars, that was sent to the state prison in Moundsville after surviving a failed lynching. Too bad that didn't, you know, work out. The judge reportedly urged the jury to ignore the stories about the ghost, but the stories were already out there, so not much you can do about that. To this day, Zona's ghost is recognized as the reason her husband was brought to justice. He died in prison in March of 1900. A state highway marker several miles west of town sums up the story. Quote, interred in a nearby cemetery is Zona Heaster Shoe. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. I guess they called him Edward, too. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified that uh, apparitions, her apparitions account. Edward, Shu, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to state prison. End quote. This is the tale of the Greenbrier ghost. Something like this wouldn't go over uh, well in today's world. But back then, times were way different. I guess it was because of the details her mother knew that she couldn't possibly know any other way that gave credence to her tale and the fact that she was convinced it happened. Regardless, without, without her mother going and telling what she knew, 
Chu would have gotten away with it. So I say kudos to Zoda's moxie and determination to come back from the dead and make her husband pay for what he had did to her. Bravo. I so enjoy telling you all about the interesting things I find. What are your thoughts on Zona? Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe this particular story? Let us know what you think. You can look us up on Facebook at the Darker Side of Things podcast, or you can email us at the Darker Side of Things, the number one at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe and stay away from the rabbit holes. They're dark and deep. Bye.